Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to episode 81 of the Liberty Cafe. I'm blessed to have you here with me, listening along with what we're going to talk about today, and also blessed and grateful to have, well, grateful to have y'all as well, but also grateful to have Texas Scorecard as a sponsor of the Liberty Cafe. We've been doing this for over a year now, and I, for one, am blessed, and I hope that the folks who've gotten to listen to Texas Scorecard are as well, and, and just the group of people at Texas Scorecard, because they deserve to be blessed. They work hard to fight for liberty, and they do so in great faith. So welcome today. Thank you to Texas Scorecard and to listeners today. Well, today I'd like to talk a little bit about science and experts. Right? We've had this problem for quite some time going on in the world, but particularly in America, and unfortunately, particularly among uh, conservatives and among evangelical Christians, that experts rule the day. Right? And, and it's, it's really unfortunate. It's not, of course, for all evangelicals or all conservatives. It certainly seems to be true for most liberals, but although there are liberals today. Glenn Greenwald is one of those. He's a liberal Jeromist. He's, he's actually a homosexual. I radically disagree with him on that, but he has done some of the great stuff, not just on COVID, but, but just the entire cancel culture and that the that the left is pushing on you know glenn sees through all that kind of stuff and and so he sees through a lot of the expertise on that unfortunately he doesn't see it through the light of the gospel but we can still continue to pray for him and and others like him who don't have uh, the gospel implanted in their hearts yet but what about those of us in the evangelical world or just the conservative Christian world, or just even the conservative world, who spend too much time listening to experts. It's been going on for a long, long time. I'd suggest that one of the ways this has really taken place in the evangelical church, and this has really been going on, well, since there's been an evangelical church over the last 200 years, is that we have seen this uh, widespread adoption among a lot of Christians that of the Darwinian focus on the age of the earth, like the earth is some billions and billions of years old, rather than, you know, we don't know how old the earth is exactly, but you look at scripture and it tells us, you know, it's in the thousands, it might even be in the neighborhood of the six thousands or so, but people just grab hold of experts who claim the world is billions and the universe is billions of years old and just can't let go of that. Well, there are some really good books out there that help us, I think, take a look at this problem. Well, actually, take a look at the problem of experts and what's wrong with experts and how we can look at science rather than experts and understand that a lot of the stuff people are telling us for science are not science at all. It's just the opinion of a lot of people who happen to be scientists and who claim to be experts. And so they're turning the worldly debate upside down. But of course, the real problem is that the worldly debate is already upside down 
And Christians need to come along and turn it right side back up. And the only way we can do that is by focusing on Scripture and bringing that into the world. Read what the Bible says and bring that into the debate of the world instead of taking what the world says and bring that into our reading of Scripture. That's exegesis is what we should be doing, reading out of God's Word rather than eisegesis, which is reading into God's Word. So I'd just like to go over a few uh, books that I really recommend that you read. And I've got about uh, six or seven here. I'm not going to talk about them all in great detail, but, but I want to talk about a few of them. So the first one is Galileo by Mitch Stokes. It is a great book. It's entertaining. It's informative. And it's one of those things that really, like I said, turns the debate of the world right side up. Because we all know the Galilea story. At least I, I thought I did growing up in a more or less secular education. I went to Baptist school for several years, but didn't get what I consider now to be the truth about Galileo. Because the story was that Galileo looked at the science, saw that the earth wasn't the center of the universe, and started to proclaim that message, but he was persecuted by the church. He couldn't let go of their um, geocentric view of the universe because of what they read in Scripture. And so he persecuted him and almost threatened to excommunicate him, and back then excommunication brought a pretty severe penalty, often burning at the stake. It was a little early for that, but those were the kinds of things that were starting to happen. But that's not the story at all for Galileo. So, for instance, in Mitch Stokes' book here, he says uh, that Galileo, we are surprised to hear, was a devout Christian, and his debate with theologians was an internal Catholic debate over the interpretation of Scripture. It was never, and again, we are shocked, he writes, a debate between a proponent of secular science, Galileo, on the one hand, and the inheritance of religious faith on the other. So what was really going on was there were all these scientists in his day who had grasped hold of um, Aristotle. And, of course, Aristotle had seen the world as center, universe centered around the world, the earth, and they had built these great positions and great universities in part based on this. Remember, theology was the queen of the sciences in the day. And all these people were nominal Christians because you had to be a nominal Christian back in the day. But that didn't mean they were real Christians and that they based their beliefs on Scripture. No, they were basing their beliefs mainly on Aristotle. And so here comes a real Christian who wants to look at Scripture. You know, Galileo wrote a lot about theology, uh, and just as he did on science and astronomy. And they were turning, Galileo was getting ready to turn their world upside down because they had these great positions and, and incomes, and if Galileo could prove them wrong, that really threatened them. And so they, the secular-based scientists in the world went after Galileo. Now, one of the things they did was they attacked him through the church, uh, 
But but within the church, as as uh, Mitch Stokes writes, there never was a debate about where the earth was and where the sun was and in, in the their positions in the universe. It was about uh, who's supposed to interpret Scripture. Uh, is it the Pope? Is it Galileo? Yeah, things like that. Is it the Church? Uh, what, you know, and, and the Catholic Church had its problems with that. But it, but it was about theology. It wasn't about science. And so it's a, an engaging book. I highly recommend that you read Galileo by Mitch Stokes. A second uh, book that I'd highly recommend to you is The Genesis of Science, How the Christian Middle Ages Launched the Scientific Revolution. This book is by James Hannan, H-A-N-N-A-M. So just like with Galileo, we all know the story of the Middle Ages, otherwise known as the Dark Ages. So we had this great period of antiquity and with the, the Greeks, and they came with all these brilliant ideas, and you, you had astronomy, and you had mathematics, and you had geometry, and you had... And then the Romans, in, in large part, took those, and, and maybe they weren't great as great intellectually, but they took all these great ideas and, and turned them into practical uh, ways of building society. And they spread the Greek ideas and the concrete ideas. For instance, Romans were the first ones to either in, either invent concrete or to use it on a massive scale. You go to the Colosseum, it's built out of concrete. And they took this civilization and spread it throughout uh, much of Africa, northern Africa, uh, around the Middle East area, Turkey, Spain, and of course Western Europe and into um, Central Europe. And this was a great enlightened day. But then what happened, of course, was that Christianity took over, Rome fell, and along with the rise of Christianity and the fall of Rome came the Dark Ages, where everybody took a back seat, where, where knowledge and learning and enlightenment took a back seat to these religious practices of the church that didn't, we didn't escape from those until the Renaissance came along and rational reasoning rather than faith and rescued us from that and we came into the age of the enlightenment and everything was hunky-dory and we're back on track again at least that's the story but mr hanem sets that story and really trashes that story destroys that story and so for instance uh, here's some facts that he just talks about in his book uh, people in the middle middle ages didn't think the world was flat in fact Medieval scholars could prove it wasn't. Uh, the Inquisition never executed anyone because of their scientific ideas or, of discovery. And it was medieval scientific discoveries, methods, and principles that made postern, possible Western civilization's scientific revolution. And that's what he really does as he walks through this book. He says, it was Christianity, the understanding of man created in, in the image of God, the understanding of man being creative, just like God is created, creative, right? God, of course, can create from nothing. We don't quite have that ability, but we can take what he's given us and create a lot of things, including ways of understanding the world around us. And so that's basically what he does, is he says that the great scientific advances that occurred during the 
Middle Ages set the stage for where we are today with the great science and medical advances that we have. And in fact, a lot of those were made back then. We, we didn't come out of a dark ages. We were pro propelled into modern age by the church and, it, and its great work. And, and that really, as, as the Catholic church, became more and more corrupted. And the biblical truths got, were more and more lost in that. A lot of this was taken up by the uh, Reformation and the Protestants who carried a lot of this forward and w were able to spread it around the world. So I, again, highly recommend Genesis of Science, How the Christian Middle Ages Launched the Scientific Revolution by James Hannon. All right, this next book I, I want to recommend is, uh, it's a fabulous book. They're, they're all great books, but I really love this one. It's The Devil's Delusion, Atheism, and Its Scientific Pretensions. It's by David Berlinski. Now, isn't that, I mean, it's a fascinating title, and you would think that you, reading this title of this book, that, you know, attacking atheism and equating atheism in some parts anyway to um, the devil's scientific pretensions, you would think maybe this is written by a Christian, but it's not. And you get a hint by looking at the name David Berlinski. David Berlinski is an agnostic Jew, right? He's not Christian, but he acknowledges the possibility that there is a God out there. In fact, as you as you walk through this book, it, it it's almost amazing that he's not a believer. I mean, it, it's really his insight into the world is so amazing, you know. And we have to remember, you know, God gave all human beings who are made in His image the ability to have insight into the world that He made. But of course, that only carries us so far. If we you know, you can be brilliant and see a lot, but, you know, like Carl Sagan and um, other astronomers who are, who are famous, they're brilliant men. They see this world and they see all this amazing stuff in it and they get so much of it wrong because they don't understand that God created everything, that God created the heavens and earth and he created them out of nothing, ex nihilo. And so... But Berlinski has common grace that seems to extend beyond a lot of non-believers, and he and he and he does that by, you know, not not promoting God in these things, but promoting the possibility of God, and that we we simply can't explain everything by what the experts and the science is telling us, and and here's a uh, here's a quote from his book. He says, um, but the efflorescence of atheism involves more than atheism itself. Atheism is the Schwerpunkt, as German military theorists used to say with satisfaction, the place where force is concentrated and applied. What lies behind is a doctrinal system, a way of looking at the world, and so an ideology. It is an ideology with no truly distinct center and the fuzziest of boundaries. For purposes of propaganda, it hardly matters. Science is an institution. Let me start that over again. Science as an institution is unified by the lowest common denominator of belief 
and that is the conviction that science is a very good thing. I mean, this book was written several years ago, but when was it? 2009. But, but can't we see that just playing out in the recent COVID pandemic and so many other things, global warming and... I don't know, I, I can't think of anything else right now, but all these different areas where it's it's all about the science, and science has to be right because science is good, and science is the foundation of everything. Well, that's what happens to people if they don't believe that God is the science of everything, the foundation of everything. They have to find something else. They make idols of everything, including themselves, but a lot of people go to science. A lot of people go to government. You see that both on the Republican and the Democratic side, liberals and some unbelieving conservatives. They believe that government is the solution to everything. Or, and a lot of times with the conservatives, it's also business, the free market. Free market's got to be the thing. Well, but no, it's God. And that's what David Berlinski just annihilates this idea, annihilates this idea that Science is a very good thing in and of itself. It, it can be a good thing, but if it's not laid on the proper foundation, which Berlinski doesn't quite get right because he's not a believer, um, science can fall apart like anything else. And then finally, uh, the, the last book I'd like to go over in just a little bit of detail is The Expanse of Heaven, Where Creation and Astronomy Intersect. This book is by Danny Faulkner. And... Again, a brilliant book. I mean, this guy's an, uh, an astronomist, uh, and uh, and he's just amazing in his ability to to work, take out of his brilliant mind these concepts and lay them out in a way that people like me, uh, who um, don't know a lot about that, I guess we'd call him an astronomer, uh, that I'm not an astronomer, just can't understand and comprehend at the big large level but I can reading this book and I think the the I'll just say this one thing about this book is you know one of the 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 science of six day creation is, is very strong and it, you just you look around and you see all these things and it, it just makes perfect sense if you just give it a little bit of room and start going, oh, yeah, I've been told this all my life, but this makes perfect sense. There's really uh, two areas where it's a little tougher. I mean, the science is still good, the science of six-day creation and thousands of years old Earth rather than billions. But there's two areas that are just really tough to work through. One is uh, the radioactive dating, because if... You know, these rocks that are decaying, you know, uranium in them or whatever they might have in them, plutonium, whatever is decaying. If things worked the same thousands of years ago as they do today, then radioactive dating shows that the world is really old. But what scientists have shown is that the world hasn't worked always the same way. You know, creation was a totally different um, way of functioning because you know, God worked outside the processes we see today. See today, because everything we see in the world today came together in six days. Right, things had to work differently back then. The physical process of the creation was 
quite different than the physical processes we see today. The same thing might be said also of uh, the flood. But but the uh, the other thing, and this is what being talking about astronomy, this is what uh, Mr. Faulkner talks about, is the um, stars and stellar dif- differences. If the world is only six thousand years old, how come we can see light from stars that are six million light years away, or much farther than that? And uh, and I, I can't tell you the. Ex- exact answer right now because it's been a little while since I read the book but he explains it in a way that I think makes perfect sense so those are the books I wanted to go through in detail there's a a couple other books or three other books I just wanted to hit one is creation and change uh, Genesis 1 1 through 2 4 in light of changing scientific paradigms by Douglas Kelly uh, Kelly is great. He, he writes some really good books. He, he's a scripture first guy, but he, he looks at the scripture in light of science and, and does a really good job with it. Creation in Six Days, brilliant book by the brilliant James Jordan. Uh, you know, he's basically looking at scripture, not so much science, but he just makes a really strong case that the world, Bible makes it very clear that the world was created in six, 24 our days, and it's a young earth, not an old earth. And then finally, Intellectuals by Paul Johnson. He, he, he does something, uh, maybe not quite as uh, in, the, in the way that, that Berlinski does, uh, but, but nonetheless, he, he, in a pithy and strong and forceful way, he just tears down intellectuals, and, and it's really a great read. And so I'd highly recommend all these books. Uh, you can go to... Um, my website, www.excellentthought.com, and I've got a list of these and a bunch of other books you might enjoy reading, and you can click on them, and it'll take you right to the book on Amazon. Well, thank you very much for being with me again on the Liberty Cafe, and thank you once again to Texas Scorecard for being our sponsor. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate this show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.